Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Simple Theology Podcast, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Roblick. Rick is on the intro. Welcome back. I was like in intro purgatory for a while. No, intro purgatory. Uh, and now I'm back, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. I don't know how long, but... What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about death. We're talking about how purgatory isn't a reality, mm. but death is. It's a permanent reality, and how as Christians we can think about that and respond um, in good ways. Yeah, we talk about um, how to grieve, mm-hmm. how to help others to grieve, what are some good practices, what are some good things to think through, how to approach it as Christians. We get into all that. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Daddy, we're here again. We are here, back at it, back at it after missing a week. Yeah, well, listeners, thank you for your grace. Mm, absolutely, for real. So I was not feeling well, um, and I just told Rob the story. But like Tuesday, felt like progressively worse, and then it was like five o'clock, and I texted Rob, and I'm like, "Hey, man, this isn't gonna happen." Like nothing of quality will be will be coming out of my my mouth this evening. So <laughs> so um, let's not do this. So I and Rob was gracious and like, hey man, you know what? The show's gonna take a hit. We're gonna lose probably a lot of money from this, but for you, I'll do this. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it went. Um, so you, I, I appreciate you taking responsibility, but the nice <laughs> thing was that you canceled before me. <laughs> because unbeknownst to me, I would have had to have canceled because we had a Zoom call for Welcome to Sojourn Network with Ronnie and Melissa Martin at uh, 8.15, and you and I were supposed to record like at 8 or 8.15. Well, knowing I, I was not going to push that Zoom call back. We were the priority, me yeah. and you and our, our listeners. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's right. um, Robert, are you saying our listeners weren't the priority? <laughs> No, it's for a day that I'd be sick on Tuesday, and Rob's conscience is conscience is clear, and here we are. Here we are, back at it. We are in person, in person, which is a beautiful gift. In Westerville, in Westerville, in my living room, the place of birth of Citizens Church. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Which you can find out more at citizensohio.com. That's right. Thanks for that promo. Appreciate you betcha. that. And Rick, the, the yeah. nice thing—the nice thing is that even though you were sick or congested, sinus, whatever it was, yeah, um, even though you were being a baby, it wasn't enough to <laughs> okay. to put you six feet under. So you're still yeah. alive. You I haven't tasted here. death yet. That was a that was rough. Ooh, that like, was a rough transition. <laughs> call me a sissy and all that. Oh yeah, I see. <laughs> this is what happens when we miss a little bit. Yes, I am not dead. Yes, but we're talking about death. Yes, we are. Because it is an ever-present reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think of Romans 6.23. Yes, sir. Sin is death. That's right. So, ever-present reality for all people. But um, before we hop into that, Rick, yeah. you as a man of the cloth. Mm, I'm a as, man of the cloth. I do as, wear clothes. As Ted Cluck would say. <laughs> <laughs> resident man of the cloth. Have you ever led a funeral service? Yes, I have. Okay. 
how <laughs> you want to give a little bit of that and no, put very, some flesh a, to those bones very, how was it very private intimate thing i don't want to share no um i did one actually several years ago um first one i ever did and that was the last time i did like i was in charge of the whole the whole thing um which i count as just a blessing that i have not had to do more funerals um yeah so it was a unique situation um because i was first time for me i had this relationship with a, with a guy in our church and he asked me to do the funeral or their family did and um they had his daughters lived in California. They came back, and it was it was good. It was difficult because it's a funeral. You know, you're trying to um, you're trying to remember well the individual. You're trying to comfort the hurting. You're trying to clearly articulate uh, the gospel message, um, the plan of salvation. And there's just a lot that you're trying to pack into that short amount of time, and, it, and there's just a lot of emotion in that. So. It's a delicate thing to do, but the, I would say, having done a funeral and a wedding, funerals are less stressful. Why is that? Because weddings, like funerals, people are grieving. People are like, it's just real. It's it's all there. Um, weddings got to be. Perfect. Weddings are perfect. Like like yeah. there's th- literally you thousands of dollars, up. years of dreaming, hundreds of hours of work and planning. Like this is it. And you're like the officiant. So you're the MC. Well, among like all like the the grandeur of it all, like you're supposed to be the one who's like the most polished. Yeah, like the the leader of this ceremony, and the it's just it's a lot. It can be fun. How many weddings have you done? Uh, Just one. Just one. Yeah. Yep. Same. Yeah. So you you've been the guy for a funeral Mm -hmm. you've been the guy who does all of it how many how many funerals have you spoken at or helped lead um a couple other ones okay yeah okay which do you prefer do you prefer leading the whole thing is it easier for you just knowing how everything's going to go or is it easier for you just to know like this is my part it depends on the person like the person who the family who who have passed so if um like i was recently a part of one where i didn't know the individual that well i was really close with their family but don't i didn't know the individual okay so in that situation, it was nice to have someone else who actually knew the person kind of lead through those things. Yeah. Now, do you do you implicitly make sure that you're sharing the gospel with those, or do you talk to the family ahead of time? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would say similar to weddings, like it's kind of like a blanket policy. I mean, that sounds weird to have like a to say policy. Just like what's going to happen yeah. if we're going to do a wedding, this is what's going to happen. If we're going to do a funeral, this is what's going to happen. Um, and I've never had anyone like buck at that. Um, I would say if they, because usually a funeral, you're closer to the to the person, yeah. right? So I'm not like a funeral home director or a chaplain where I'm just doing funerals for just random people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, they know me, I know them, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. They're probably a part of our church or a close connection to our church, so they're okay. They usually love Jesus. They want to see those things shared at a funeral, so. Yeah. Now, what, how would you advise someone who may be getting ready to speak at a funeral, whether they're leading it or whether they're just asked to to give some some words, um, who want to share the gospel, but they're not sure if this person actually knew Jesus? How would you encourage them to approach that? Yeah, so that's always a difficult situation where you don't know if the deceased um, 
and and like ultimately we don't know right we can try to affirm someone's faith or say we have cautions or we're leery but we can't make a blank statement this person was not a believer yeah um preaching them into heaven right. at their funeral so i i think that the best thing you can do is just remember that person well don't give any um, assurances or affirmations. Oh, you know, we know they're with the Lord. We know they're in a better place. We just, yeah. we, we remember know who they were. God got another angel. Right. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Anyway, yeah. so we don't affirm any of those things. We encourage, we remember, um, and then we just simply look to the hope. Our hope is Jesus. Yeah. And that was their hope because we don't know, you know, we don't know where their heart was before they died, any of those things. But mm-hmm. we know that as long as they were on earth, through the through the time they took their last breath, their only hope was Jesus. Yeah. So let's talk about Jesus. Mm. I remember Greg Allison giving some words of advice to us as, as students, and he, he said if you are asked to do a funeral of someone who you're not sure was a believer, the way that you can kind of transition in, into the gospel is to say, if this person was here today, here's what they would want you to know. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's not saying that they embrace this faith. It's not saying that... Um, that they are experiencing the rewards of this faith, it's, mm-hmm. they would want you to know this. Yes. Even if they are condemned and even if they are separated from God right now in hell um, or experiencing God's wrath, but like they would still want you as their loved ones to know what the gospel is. When we see it in the story of Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. So let me ask you this. Um, there are different views yes. on death. Mm-hmm. What What's the Protestant view and how does that differ from maybe say the Roman Catholic view or some other views? Yeah, so, um, well, one, obviously death is, like we said, it's a reality. It's a permanent thing, right? We don't, I mean, there's a few cases in Scripture of people being resurrected. We talked about that in a the other Lazarus episode way back. Yeah, and uh, several others in the Old Testament. Yeah, um, but it's, they still will then die, right? And it's final. Death is final. It's for all eternity. Um, so as Protestants, we believe, we don't believe in soul sleep. We believe to be dead is to be um, separate from the body is to be with Christ if you yep. are a believer Second Corinthians 5.8 um, we see this with, with Jesus and the, the thief on the cross we said today mm-hmm. you will be with me in paradise so we believe that we don't believe in purgatory or any kind of intermediary state we're not just waiting we're not just uh, sleeping but we do believe that it is appointed for as Hebrews 9.27 tells us it's appointed for all humanity to die and then to face judgment. So not a single created human um, outside of Christ who, or there's a deity there as well as uh, humanity, all created um, humans, all created beings will face a judgment. So that's going to happen. Whereas some people, and to say they're in the Christian tradition would be kind of uh, a loose term, but they believe in something called universalism, which is this idea that like everyone's going to get to heaven, and maybe like if you're if you're not a professing Christian, like you won't go to heaven right away, but eventually, like everyone's going to be there. And we would say that Scripture actually te- teaches something else. Um, we teach what Scripture does teach us clearly is one: we know that death came in the garden. Since in, in Genesis uh, 2, it says, The Lord took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
from the day you you eat from it, you will certainly die. So this is God telling um, telling Adam and Eve, like, listen, you can. There's all these things, but if you eat from this fruit, you will bring upon you death. Yeah. And that's where it all originated from. Um, and this is Romans 5.12, just echoes this. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, in this, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. So this is the question, hey, why, why am I punished for Adam's sin? Well, one, because you're a descendant of Adam, right? You have the same heart as, or, yeah, as Adam. And then this, the, the um, abstract, like, if you were in the same situation, you would also sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- as a lineage, as a descendant, you have the curse of death. That's what Romans 5.12 tells us. Yeah, one of, the, one of the ways that is helpful for me to think about it is that Adam being in the garden, we, um, we were, some theologians point out, like we were already in his loins, like we were his progeny. We are in him. Could you give a description of in his loins? <laughs> Uh, you can use your imagination. <laughs> Paint us a picture, would you? Would you, Rob? <laughs> um, so, like, you could you could view it that way, but also just because he is the representative mm-hmm. of man, he every action that he makes is representative of what you would do in that situation, right? And he is making these actions before the fall, so before he is tainted by sin, mm-hmm. and so his actions are not are not swayed by his sin in the ways that ours are, um, his actions are, are free. Yes. And so we would have freely made the same decision. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, helpful imagery for me is, okay, he was in the garden and um, where there was no sin, and then um, he sins and he's taken out of the garden. And so therefore, um, sin enters the world, and so he's now inside of this world that is tainted by sin, and so all of his children after him are in that same arena, so to speak, yeah. of a world yeah. fallen tainted by sin. Mm-hmm. So him as our representative, we inherit what he in- has inherited. If, Rick, if your parents decided when you were three years old, we're going to go move to Maryland, mm. then you I inherit wish. the decisions of your parents and you are right. now in Maryland in the same way. A Maryland is it Maryland Knight or Maryland Denian? Like Ohio? Yeah, that's a good Michiganite? question. I don't know. If if you're a listener and you're from Maryland, let, let us, us know. know. Yeah, if you're you not from Maryland, yourself? we don't want to hear you from you because you're not an authority on this. Unless you like are from there. Yeah, Google couldn't possibly tell us. Google um, can't tell you anything that's true. So yeah, in a, in a parallel way, yes. we received the decisions made by Absolutely. Our, our Father Adam. Well, and, and a, that's like a just a, a spatial, physical, like, example, but, you know, anger, um, rage, addictive person, like, those are things that are often passed down through our, our parents, yeah. right? Doesn't mean we're stuck, we can't change those things, but those are things we inherit. Yeah. Can't, so, we inherit death. That's, Absolutely. Now, that's now real quick, you, you mentioned purgatory, mm. and I just want to give a definition to that. So, yes, it's, it's in please. Roman Catholic doctrine, and they uh, believe it's a place or state of suffering, inhabited by the souls of sinners who are expiating their sins before going to heaven. Mm-hmm. So Roman Catholic doctrine would say that there there's hell, eternal suffering, yeah. there's heaven, eternal glory, eternally with the Lord, 
And then in the middle ground, yeah. there's purgatory, where you weren't bad enough to go to hell, but you still got some sin issues that you got to work out, and so you are expiating your sin before going to heaven. And so they... Can you give us a definition of expiating? Give me a second um, here. Of course I can. I've got that technology. But it's, it's basically, it's, it's paying for it yourself. Yeah. It's like a, rep- uh, a penance or something. Yeah. So the term expiate um, is to atone for. Yeah. So okay, atonement, very much so, a biblical term. Um, we see Christ being our atoning sacrifice on the cross. The um, it's it's interesting because okay, so if you get if you if you're if you're believing Catholic doctrine, right, and you die, and you end up in purgatory. Okay, are you like excited because like hey, I didn't go into hell? Like yeah, right. Or are you like disappointed? Like dang it, I'm. I couldn't even make it to heaven. I don't know, and no one could tell you mm. because purgatory doesn't exist. Just I mean, like what a conundrum! Conundrum, <laughs> man. Are you pumped to be there? Because like you're not in hell, but you got some work to do to get out of there. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. As Protestants, mm-hmm. as followers of Jesus, how should we think mm-hmm. of death? Yeah. So I'm just gonna kind of echo what we said. Like one, it's 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 eternal, right? Yep. Um, two, that it is something that at once your your physical body dies, like you enter into death for eternity. I am not um, a real believer in the whole like ninety minutes in heaven, ninety minutes in hell. You know, no. God, I, I died, went to heaven. God told me, you know, it. I just don't. It's not there. Yeah, so I'm I not gonna throw down some harsh judgment on that. But I'm just, I just do not see it um, in scripture. There's also there's also something to be said about how those various books. However, many dozens, maybe even hundreds of them that have been published, they're not all giving the same account. Yeah. So. I don't know what kind of heaven you went to, but that's yeah. like, that's not the heaven I'm going to go to. Yeah. And then, um, and then when you partner that with the account that's in Isaiah. Yeah. How Isaiah views his trip, um, it, it's just different. And so, and yeah. plus we just don't have precedence. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Keep going. So, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a reality. And I think it's interesting as something to keep in mind as our, our culturally speaking for us, we are very insulated from death. Um, death happens in the hospital or at the nursing home. Um, it, it, it's something that it, there's just insulation relationally, you know, your grandparent dies, like maybe the kids will be around their parent as they pass away but even then there's a lot of medication there's a lot you know whereas historically up until like the last probably 100 years I mean like death pretty much happened in your living room or in the bedroom Mm -hmm. like it it was in your own home Um, you you heard it happening you would smell it happening so it was very close and tangible for everyone Um, and there was just a, a sobriety that came because of that Whereas for us, like we know it happens, but again, it's separate. So, as Christians, remembering, like this is just a harsh reality of sin. Uh, it's going to happen to all of us, and our only hope is Christ. For those who do pass away, like, or for everyone who passes, everyone will pass. We will all face judgment. Um, some, those who trust in Jesus Christ, will go into heaven for eternity. Yeah. Um, and those who do not, will not. They'll be in hell for eternity. So, big realities, but we have to grapple. We have to deal with that. We cannot just brush over it and say, hey, like, yeah, it's a thing, but why, I, why I don't want to think you, about it. Why is it that you think that we 
try to isolate ourselves from death. Oh, it's hard. It's not fun. I mean, it's the ultimate end. Like, think about something that you causes anxiety or that you don't, you don't like to do, whether it's, you know, tests in school or your job, whatever it is. Like, there's always something after that. Death is, it's done. Yeah. And, and we don't know. Like, no one can say, yeah, it's not like you go to that country and come back and tell tales of it. Like, no one knows. Yeah. It's like, as much as we read, as much as we believe, there still isn't this, like, there's no YouTube videos about, like, the, Hey guys, I'm on the other side. This is what it's like. Like we don't, yeah, we don't yeah. know. We believe, we have faith, and we're very confident in that. But it's it's a different world. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think there's also just like a, us being made in God's image. Like we know that God being is a just God, right? And so we know that we're whether consciously or subconsciously, we're going to face judgment. Yeah, we're, we're going to get the answers. Yeah, we're, we know Hebrews 9.27 to be true, whether we want to say that out loud or whether mm-hmm. we just want to keep that in our deepest heart of hearts. We know that we are headed for judgment. And it's a scary thought if you don't know the Lord. And so we, we kind of hide ourselves away from it, try to avoid. I mean, you see Adam and Eve, when they sin, they hid. And so yeah. thus us being sinners, being... Um, rebels of god we know that we're facing we're heading toward a judgment when we know that death is that that doorway into it yeah it can be uncomfortable and one of the best ways that you can resolve all that is by reading the bible yes that is so true and guys we recommend reading the christian standard Mm. bible i see what you did that was really good standard it is a standard but guys uh, we are huge fans of the christian standard bible they are um, sponsoring today's episode, and we just want to say thank you to them. Mm. We also want to say thank you for creating such a great translation of Scripture. They um, kind of had the translation philosophy of optimal equivalence. Mm-hmm. So we obviously care much about theology, and in a good translation, they keep the the Scriptures as close to the original manuscripts, original languages as possible we, we don't have the actual originals but um, the original languages as possible and so what what they do is they go back to the original greek and hebrew and aramaic and they say how can we make this as clear as possible with today's language and so they have come up with because there's always that pattern of or that um what is it spectrum spectrum thank yeah. you of either extremely literal which may be difficult to read, mm-hmm. or extremely like over-the-top readable or dynamic yeah. to where you may lose some of the original meanings because you're not using the right words it's, to translate it. And the CSB has done a great job of landing right there um, somewhere in the middle to come up with a translation that is theologically reliable, very trustworthy, and extremely readable. So we love it. Um, go ahead, go over to Instagram and follow them at Christian Standard Bible. Give them a follow Give him a follow. There you go. Sweet. Okay, Rick. Yes. Now, we've talked about death. We've talked about kind of how we think about it. We've talked about how our views differ from mm-hmm. Roman Catholic views of death. We've talked about some of the spiritual side of why non-believers may try to avoid thinking about death. But for those of us who have experienced the loss of loved ones, mm-hmm. what are some helpful ways that we can grieve? Yeah, so one, I would say that it's important um, to have, like, better thoughts about grieving. Grieving like, what do you mean by that? is, like, one of those things where um, it's 
it's kind of like a a high schooler thinking about retirement. Like you know, it's a reality. It's going to come, and you should think about it. But usually, don't really think about it at the in the moment. Mm. So similar with grieving. Usually, you don't think about how to grieve well or what that looks like until you're in a situation where you're now grieving or you're helping comfort someone who's grieving. Um, culturally, we have, you know, the just people were, were, were not permitted to grieve as much, I think, as they should. It was more like, hey, like, you know, take your moment, have your grief, but like, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you need to carry on, you need to move mm, forward. Yeah. Um, and that's not helpful. So, so here's a few things that I've just kind of listed out. Um, just broad things. As we think about grieving, helping others grieve, if we're grieving ourselves. Um, remember that there's no set way to grieve. For some people, this is very um, visible. Like they are, they need a lot of people around them. They need to be. They need to process verbally, probably for hours. Like all the memories, all these things, or all their fears, all their anger. For other people, it might be a little bit more withdrawn, they're quiet, you know, a lot of walks, maybe they go hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, I always had this thought, like, if Fair if, enough. <laughs> if I lost, like, my wife and kids, like, that's what I would do, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that's even right or not, but... I just, my, but you'd want to, you'd want to, you're on that side of yeah. wanting to retreat. Yeah. I want to be away from people, I need to process this myself. Yeah, in a sense. Um, so that's one, there's no, just remember, there's no set way, so let people grieve. Um just do this with people. So this is the hard part about the retreat thing. Not that that's necessarily wrong, but in in some um, intentional way, you need to do this with people. Okay, so you shouldn't go on the Appalachian Trail. Well, that's what you're no, saying. No, I'm, I'm saying if right. you do that, you so need to have plenty of conversation <laughs> before you do, while you're there, and even after. Hmm. Um, no, because we are relational beings. You are grieving because you've lost a relationship. Right? Yeah. Um, and so because of that, you need to be grieving with people. Uh, that puts a lot of pressure on other people. We're going to talk about that. How do you help others grieve? But you need to be grieving with people. Yeah, so um, well, just elaborate yeah. that a little bit. So just so so with people. One thing is... Just broadly people or yeah. certain kinds of people? Yeah, or, anyone, anyone. Um, as, as Christians, we would strongly believe this is part of the body of Christ, right? We weep Bear with those who burdens. weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. So this is a part of your church function, right? The church should be grieving with you. Um, they should be loving on you, but it doesn't have to just be your church yeah. family, um, friends, whatever, coworkers. But but with people, ideally, um, no one's perfect, right? But it should hopefully be with people who are emotionally mature, spiritually mature, and who can help kind of you mature in this process as well. It's good to remember um, when you're grieving, it's okay to be angry. Like it's, it's okay. Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you've lost a loved one, um, some, or it could be some other, you've lost a, a dream of yours, some other opportunity, something is gone that can't be replaced. It's okay to be angry about that. Um, I think there's, there's a line you're going to cross when you're getting angry at the world and you're taking that out on people or you're, you know, it's okay to, to have anger and, and, and confusion towards the Lord. If that pushes you away from Him, that's a problem. Yeah. Right? If it, if it becomes, this is about me, and God, I'm angry because you're not giving me what I want. Well, He's probably using this in a very pointed way to make you less selfish. Hmm. Allow that to happen. But it's okay to feel the emotion of anger. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I think, of, I think of Job with that. 
Yeah. And I think of the psalmists as well. I mean, the psalmists, if you read those, they are, I mean, they can show some pretty intense frustrations toward mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And think of Job, who spent however 30 plus chapters kind of railing against God. Why in the world is this happening to me? What have I done to you? Have you, are you blind to what's going on? Like, what, why do you let the wicked flourish? Like, all, all these things. And at the end, because throughout it, Job's quote unquote friends are right. telling him like, okay, clearly you did something wrong. Right. And you're, so you're you, you need to repent of it, whatever it is. Yeah. And um, I mean, first off, it's just all, all the more to your point of being around brothers and sisters in Christ who have a, a strong faith who are able to speak into it, who are able to listen and mm-hmm. not necessarily just give a reason. We know that right. God uses all things, but to be able to to listen and hear somebody is, is important. Um, but back to that, after all that, God tells Job and his friends that even in all of his railing against him, Job did not sin. Right. And, yeah. and one theologian said that the reason was because even in Job's frustrations and his question marks and his anger toward God, he continually brought it back to God. Right. He continually put it before God. I'm angry. I don't know what's going on. This is, it feels like it's unjust, like, but I'm still bringing it to you. I'm letting you know I'm not happy about it. And, and God says that Job did not sin. And he actually then says, and hey, friends of Job, like you better ask Job to pray for you. Yeah. That I would forgive you. Yeah. And so yeah, cuz it's, it's okay to be angry to your point. Mm-hmm. Just keep bringing it to God. And 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 what I would say where you run into to issues is if you're like God this you're unfair. You are unjust. You yeah. you are wrong for this. Mm-hmm. That's where you're crossing into sin. Yeah. When you're beginning to to deny who God is and you're belittling those things. Yeah. I mean you could even say like it feels like right. you're being Absolutely. unjust here, but I know you're just, so help me understand. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, but to, And all those emotions right. are going to be like together, and so that can be difficult to parse through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to not grieve. That's the thing where people just, they shove it down, they move on, you know, they, they become alcoholics, workaholics, whatever it is. Like, or just like in a very faux way, super happy. Like, oh, I'm, oh yeah. I'm a Christian, like, I'm okay. God took care okay. of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah see not a big that. deal. It's, Life's good. It's not okay to not grieve. Um, that's one of the most unhealthy things you can do. Um, and it's not okay to stay hopeless, right? So in the moment, you're going to feel hopeless. You might feel frustrated, all those things we just talked about. But it's not okay to just stay in this hopeless position because Christ is our hope. Yeah. Eternity is our hope. Even if this is, this is a, a terrible situation, but even if that loved one... Um, didn't know Christ, or to your knowledge, they didn't, and they're probably not going to be in heaven. Or even if that dream that was lost will, can never become a reality, that's not your ultimate hope. It's yeah. Christ, so we look to Him. Amen. Okay, so how do we help others grieve? Because we've talked about how, how we can grieve. Mm-hmm. We actually talked about how important it was to to grieve with others, especially others who um, are in your church, or others who are fellow believers, who can listen and who can speak truth in, in the right time? Because a, a right. word fitly, or a word, a truthful word at the wrong time can be harmful. Yes. And so, um, like grieving with the right people, but turning the tables, someone comes to you and they're grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some good ways that you can help them grieve? Right. So um, a couple things I would say, and I got several of these from 
from my wife who's finishing a book um, by Nancy Guthrie. It's titled What Grieving People Wish You Knew mm. About What Really Helps. Um, Nancy Guthrie's great. And the first point is just is know your relationship. So if you're not like really close with that person, it, this is wherever you're at, you need to understand your proximity to that relationship because you can overstep some bounds. Yeah. Um, you can put yourself in a situation you, maybe you shouldn't be in or it can feel um, hurtful to that person. So know your relationship. If you are close and not just like, oh, I think we're close, like you're genuinely close friends, then it, there's a lot of helpful things you can do. Um, you might be the person who steps in and, and rec- recommends some things or is there to help do laundry or just be just be there. Um so know your relationship, know the proximity, um, acknowledge the suffering. This was something that I think no matter where you're at in the relationship, you can do this. You can just say, hey, like, I'm, I'm sorry about your loss. You know, you can acknowledge the situation. Sometimes people don't do that because they don't want to be awkward. They don't know what to say. And yeah. that's like the you not knowing what to do puts and if you follow that, you're in a worse off situation. So acknowledge the suffering. Yeah. Uh, be present. So just being there, again, this ties into knowing the relationship. Just if you're good friends with this person, you're close with them, just be at their house. Like literally just spend hours there with them if if that's a good relationship dynamic. Um, it's surprising how much grieving people, like they don't want to sit and watch a movie necessarily or just sit and chat over tea. They have they have to go through pictures, they have phone calls, but just having yeah. someone there, so being present obviously praying for them um, genuinely fervently regularly with them uh, with others for them and your own quiet time for them pray for them and then re- remember um, so a couple weeks passed or a couple months have passed they're still waking up grieving they're still crying there's still a lot of emotion they're processing through for you your life is kind of back to normal remember their loss remember that they're still grieving um anniversaries right so what the anniversary of the death or, or it could be wedding anniversaries like remember hey this is gonna be a hard day for them yeah so make a note in your calendar or something that that way those that, ticks that's, around that's good um so also people it's hard because you don't want to just interject and say hey what can i do for you how can i help you um but you say i would i would love to like hey i would love to cut your grass or i'd love to do your laundry i'd love to bring you a meal when could i do that so instead of just showing up right just say hey when can, when can i do that for you um and then just like scripture like psalm 34 18 says the lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So he he is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, Scripture tells us. Revelation 21, 4 is our hope. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall death be, neither shall there be death, shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so even in the midst of pain, you know, you, you just remind them of the graciously, um, with with the right timing, remind them of the hope of Christ. Yeah. Um, but but Rob, you you can speak on this. I mean, you you've lost your dad. Your, your dad passed away several years ago. Yeah. Um, what was that like uh, for you for you? And what were some ways that people helped you grieve and maybe didn't help you grieve? Yeah. Um, I and, mean, and I didn't put this in the show notes. So I'm, no, I'm putting a, Rob right on the okay, spot here. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I mean, people just, just being present, just coming over. I mean, I remember, I think it was the day, the day, mm-hmm. it was either the day or the very next day that he died. Uh-huh. We had probably a dozen people in our apartment yeah. just coming down to sit with us. And I remember thinking to myself how happy I was that people were there mm-hmm. because it allowed me to talk about something else yeah like this and i'm just really bad about the attention being on me Mm -hmm. especially on highly emotionally charged situations where people are like looking to me to break down or something (laughs) yeah so having people there where we could talk and we could have meaningful conversation um was really helpful and and the people that were there i I think you were one Mm -hmm. of them like it, it was just it was really helpful to just have people who were just willing to talk about literally whatever I wanted to talk yeah. about because yeah. subconsciously or consciously there were things that I did not want to talk about mm-hmm. yeah and for people to allow me to just kind of steer that conversation a different way so that I could talk about something that might help me in that moment like it, yeah. was, it was really helpful yeah. so but but something else that I just want to say before we wrap up here is that it is and we already touched on this but it is okay to be angry with death. Mm-hmm. It's okay to hate death. Yeah. We know that um, for those of us who are in Christ, death is the entryway into his presence. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. physical death, yeah. Yeah, yeah, death is ultimately our enemy. Mm-hmm. It's the result of sin. Yes. And so to hate point. to hate death is okay. Mm-hmm. To hate the effects of death and and the the destruction that it leaves in its way is okay. Yeah. But the good news is that for those who are in Christ, we only taste physical death. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we really, I mean, in light of the eternal life that we experience, physical death feels like nothing. Yeah. I mean, to, great point. Yeah. to experience maybe 70, 80 years on this world. And let's say, Lord, I mean, God forbid, let's say all 70, 80 of those years are filled with suffering. Mm. Yeah. Maybe you lose everybody. Maybe you just have a terrible life. You're constantly sick. Whatever. Yeah. Those 70 or 80 years feel like the blink of an eye in light of 10 million years. Right. Yeah. And so... That's true. It's okay to hate death, but have your hope be anchored in the eternal life that we have with Christ. That will completely alter your viewpoint on the the power that death has Mm -hmm. because it's been defeated in Christ. Yes. And, and and that's a great point to, to to have that as your 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 hope. And that, there has to be like the renewing of the mind, right? Mm. To not get bogged down in just the the hardships of our our life, but um, to have no fear in death, as the, yeah. the hymn says, right? This I, this what you see, we see with older saints and even younger saints, like Lord, come quickly, like we're ready. Yeah. Like, but Fair there's enough, a sweetness, though. like we are, like for older saints who they've 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 put in the miles they've put in the labor and, and and they're ready to 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 see physical death for themselves and to be um one with christ and yeah. so there's a there's a sweetness there but i love your point there we should hate death because it is because of sin mm-hmm. and it's the ultimate reminder sin brings death um it brings physical death and if it persists, it will bring um, spiritual death. Yeah, amen. So that's amen. great. Anything else on this before we wrap? 
No, that's it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, sorry we missed last week. Thank you for being patient I with us. I apologize, guys. Hey, we've had to cancel anyway. It's on me, too. Uh, Rob, um, you know what? Let's blame Rob because no, I could have no, 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 no. pulled it out. I could have done it. Yeah, okay, I could have done it. Rob was like, absolutely Guys, not. you can find more about us at simpletheology.org. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at simpletheologypod or on Facebook, facebook.com slash simpletheology. You can reach out to us on all social media platforms. And by all, I mean Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter <laughs> by using the hashtag simpletheologypod. Don't try to reach us on Pinterest or Snapchat or TikTok. We will never see it. MySpace? Nope, not even on MySpace. And then... You know who is on MySpace? Who's on MySpace? <laughs> Robert Kane. Oh, no. I haven't, I haven't touched that thing since, like, middle school. It's going to be the worst. <sighs> Nobody look up that. Anyways, um, you can shoot us an email if you have a topic suggestion at info at simpletheology.org or you can send us a voicemail 614-233-1098 I think we have one I'm oh. not going to listen to it right now but whoever sent that in you know who you are thank you 614-233-1098 I'm right, looking guys, at your MySpace up right don't now don't do it hope don't you have a great it. day peace peace